ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय श्रीमद् भागवतम कंटो वन चैप्टर फाइव टेक्स्ट ट्वेंटी वन ट्रांसलेशन एंड कॉमेंट्री बाय हिज डिवाइन ग्रेस श्रील ए सी भक्ति वेरांत स्वयं प्रोपाद Translation, your goodness has perfect vision. You yourself can know the super soul personality of Godhead because you are present as the plenary portion of the Lord. Although you are birthless, you have appeared on this earth for the well-being of all people. Please therefore describe the transcendental pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Shri Krishna, more vividly. Purport, Srila Vyasadeva is the empowered plenary portion incarnation of the Personality of Godhead, Shri Krishna. He descended by his causeless mercy to deliver the fallen souls in the material world. The fallen and forgotten souls are detached from the transcendental loving service of the Lord. The living entities are parts and parcels of the Lord and they are eternally servitors of the Lord. All the Vedic literatures therefore are put into systematic order for the benefit of the fallen souls. And it is the duty of the fallen souls to take advantage of such literatures and be freed from the bondage of material existence. Although formerly Srila Narad Rishi is the spiritual master, Srila Vyasadeva is not at all dependent on the spiritual master because in essence he is the spiritual master of everyone else. But because he is doing the work of an Acharya, he has taught us by his own conduct that one must have a spiritual master even though he be God himself. <coughs> Lord Sri Krishna, Lord Sri Ram and Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, all incarnations of Godhead, accepted formal spiritual masters although by their transcendental nature they were cognizant of all knowledge in order to direct people in general to the lotus feet of Lord Sri Krishna he himself in the incarnation of Vyasadeva is delineating the transcendental pastimes of the Lord there's a well-known narration at the beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam of how Bhagavatam came to be compiled by Vedvyas that Vyasadeva after compiling or overseeing the compilation of all the Vedic literatures felt disappointed at which point Narad Muni appeared on the scene in Prabhupada's words to encourage Vyasadeva. In one lecture, Prabhupada explained that Narad saw this is 
great personality, he has great work to do, but he's feeling somewhat despondent. Therefore Nara thought, I should go and encourage him to do his service. And Narad, he gave some chastisement to Vyasadeva. Jugupsitam, what you are intending to do is abominable. What you have done, this uh, giving the Vedic literatures, the whole point of the Vedic literatures, all the Vedic literatures are supposed to lead to Krishna. Vede Ramayana Chaiva. Purane Bharate Tata Adavante Tamadecha Hari Sarvatra Giyate All the Vedic literatures that himself the Asadeva has written, all the Vedic literatures from beginning to middle in the middle and at the end, they're simply meant for glorifying Hari. This statement Vyasadeva puts at the end of Mahabharat. But in the Mahabharat itself we'll find so many confusing, apparently confusing narrations that although Krishna is stated therein to be the Supreme Lord and although Bhagavad Gita appears in there, we also find, for instance, Krishna worshipping Lord Shiva in the Mahabharata and declaring him to be supreme. That's only one instance. But at the end of Mahabharata, Vyasadeva makes it clear that actually all the Vedic literatures are meant for glorifying Hari. And Hari, in this case, is understood to mean Krishna, because Hari can mean, can have various meanings. Can mean a thief, or Indra, or a lion, and various meanings. So Vyasadeva, he has come to this world specifically to glorify Krishna through compiling the Vedic literatures. And he did that, but he appeared to be disappointed. And Narad came, as Prabhupada said, to encourage Vyasadeva. But first of all, he gave him some chastisement, which might be considered to be discouraging. That you've done something, well, what are you doing? You compiled all these Vedic literatures, which are Vyasamtirtam, a pilgrimage place for crows. Narad Muni, as a typical guru, is speaking straightforwardly, without any compromise. That Vyasadeva, after so much endeavor to compile all the Vedic literatures, so much, it's a lot of work to compile all the Vedic literatures. Anyone who's written a book can understand. It's not an easy thing. So to compile all the Vedic literatures, and at the end, your guru comes and tells, well, actually that's a load of rubbish which you can throw in the cart and all the, all the crows will come. You'll find the crows... I used to remember in, in Calcutta, our temple there in Albert Road, that the devotees had the rather unsavory habit of, in the winter, coughing out big blobs of mucus. <laughs> and spitting it down, and that would be the Vyasam Tirtam, the crows would come, and they'd put their beak and on the ground and they would eat it up, they would enjoy. Some nice food is here. So that gave us a good insight into uh, Narad Muni's comparison 
that this is, uh, you're simply, you've made these literatures which are supposed to be for glorification of Hari, but Narad Muni is saying it's like a pilgrimage place for crows. That's a very severe condemnation. Anyway, he condemned Vyasadeva. But now he's saying that actually you are a Morgadrik. Your vision is without any contamination. This is what you're supposed to be. You have appeared in this world. You have come for a particular purpose to glorify the Lord. And actually, it's not that he hadn't done that because in the Vedic literature he'd, he'd glorified Krishna and he'd stated that Krishna is supreme. But then again, side by side, just like in Mahabharata, you'll sometimes find Shiva is supreme. Mostly it's stated Narayana is supreme, Krishna is supreme. But then in other places you'll find statements that Shiva is supreme. And within the Vedic literatures we'll find various statements of various personalities being supreme. Of course, Madhvacharya, I was asked to say something about Madhvacharya today, so I'll say something. He stated that in the Vedic literatures where it's stated, where glorification is given of Indra or Chandra or Surya or Agni or Varuna, this is actually only meant to glorify Narayana because he is Indra, Chandra, Surya. These names actually belong to Narayana. Others may take such names. Indra takes the name. Indra means the position king, king of heaven. But that name originally belongs to Krishna. He's only the king of heaven on license. Otherwise the real king of everything is Krishna. We find the common name is there, Mahindra. It's the common name of Indra. But that we'll find in Vishnu Sahasranam also. That is the name. Originally that's the name of Vishnu. Suresha, the common name for Indra. But that name we'll find also in Bhagavad Gita. Lord Krishna is addressed as Suresha. That's uh, what is that verse? There's a well known verse begins like that, Suresha, giving all the names of Vishnu. What is that? Do you know that verse? Suresha comes at the end of the first line. I can't remember. I forgot it. Anyway. So, uh, that is a name of Vishnu also. Not it's a name of Vishnu also, rather Indra has taken that name to become a little Indra. Real Indra is Krishna. But within this tiny little universe, one gentleman who's achieved a lot of punya karma, he's taken that position. And within this world, because we are Mogadrik, Vyasadeva is Amogadrik. That means unimpeded vision. But because our vision is impeded by the three modes of material nature, therefore we see Indra, very great. Shiva, very great. Parameshwar, Lord Shiva's common name is Parameshwara, supreme controller. So that's true. Within this little blob called this universe, this little blob within the, in the material world, which is anyway the rejected portion of, the, of reality. Within this little blob called this, this particular universe, actually for all the material universes, Lord Shiva is supreme. So for those who are 
captured in Devi Dham, the place of Devi, Durga Devi. So for them, they see Lord Shiva is supreme. That's true. But the name Shiva, that ultimately refers, here we have in this verse also the word, <coughs> Shivaya means for the well-being. So Shiva means auspicious. So Lord Shiva is auspicious. Why is he auspicious? He's destroying all the universes. He's the master of the ghosts and goblins. So how is he auspicious? Because he is a great devotee of Krishna, Sankarsana. So all these names, Chandra, Surya, Agni, Varun, they all ultimately belong to Krishna. Madhvacharya has pointed out. So, actually this Vyasadeva, he was compiling all the Vedic literatures. And within those Vedic literatures he has described Narayana, Krishna as supreme. But for those who are Mogadric, this these Vedic literatures are meant for persons who are Mogadric, who have impeded vision, who cannot see clearly. These Vedic literatures are compiled for them, so they can take advantage and understand Krishna. But, Narad Muni was pointing out that you haven't made it clear enough. These people, these literatures you have written, now we see people who is a pundit, great pundit, very learned in the Vedas. And previously they used to introduce, I'm a Rig Vedi pundit. That would mean that they had memorized the whole Rig Veda and they should be able to explain it also. And then you'll get Dvivedi, Trivedi, Chaturvedi, those who know two Vedas. Or they actually learned these Vedas, the whole thing. So, you see, I can't even remember one verse, and they're, they're remembering the whole Vedas. So they were considered very learned, very scholarly. But actually the Vedas are meant for fools. The Vedas are meant for us in this material world, because we are not situated in our position of service to Krishna, therefore we have to hear from the Vedas that we are the servants of Krishna and then serve Krishna. So the Vedas are actually, everyone in this material world is foolish, so the Vedas are meant for foolish people, that means all of us, to come out of this mogadrik, covered consciousness or unclear vision. So Vyasadeva compiled the Vedas and he understood, at least it's hoped that he understood. Vyasaveti, Navetiva, even Lord Shiva suggested, maybe even Vyas didn't clearly understand all the mystery of the Vedas. That's another topic. Anyway, it's basically understood that Vyas, he, underst he understood all these things and he wrote it down but Narad Muni is saying you've written it in such a cryptic manner or an enigmatic manner that the foolish people, when they read it, they won't understand. They'll read, Indra is supreme. Oh, that means him, the king of heaven. Not understanding that actually it's meant to point towards Krishna. Or it's saying Indra, actually it's stated like that. In the Vedas, if you read, 
straightforwardly, you'll think that we're supposed to worship various demigods. And even in uh, Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna himself, Sahayagya Prajashrishtra, Puruvacha Prajapatihi, he's suggesting the, for ordinary people who are not come to the platform of bhakti, Krishna bhakti, they should perform demigod worship. That is good for them. Those who have not come to the platform of bhakti, better than being a gross materialist, they should be a follower of the Vedas and in that way be a materialist, so that someday they can come to the point of understanding that these Vedas, they're actually meant for Narayana, for understanding Narayana, Krishna. So Vyasadeva had compiled so many things, but actually his purpose, his whole purpose in compiling them all was to reveal Krishna. But Narad Muni is pointing out, you're disappointed. Why are you disappointed? Because you didn't clearly reveal Krishna. Therefore, it's actually it's not that the Vedas are places of pilgrimage for crows, but they would be if the Srimad Bhagavatam wasn't there to clarify the point that actually all the Vedas are meant for understanding Krishna. If that wasn't there, then the effect of studying the Vedas would be that simply people would perform some karmakanda, they would go some pious activities, they would go up to the heavenly planets, they would come back down again, they would go up again, they'd go down, sometimes they'd go down to hell, they'd come up again, they'd go up to heaven, they'd come back again. After some time they'd think, this is no good, and then they'd become a Brahmavadi, and then maybe float out to the impersonal Brahman, and then come back from there again. So what would be the point of a, the Vedas are supposed to give knowledge of Krishna clearly, but without that, then simply the Vedas will give us some direction on how to make a, a more broad circuit tour of the material world. Without the Vedas, then we'll just be going up, down, up, down, up, down between human life and hellish life. And with the Vedas, without knowledge of Krishna, we can go up to the heavenly planets and maybe even beyond to the impersonal Brahman. But without Srimad Bhagavatam, without the clear knowledge of Krishna, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, then the actual purpose of the Vedas to understand Krishna, it, it will not be very clearly revealed. Even Prabhupada in one lecture said, that the Bhagavad Gita will not help us very much. I heard Prabhupada say, I heard it's on a lecture. He was talking about actually this uh, this section of Bhagavatam. He was while Narad was chastising Vyasadi, he said that he, Prabhupada was commenting on that verse where he says that uh, just like a, a boat in the wind is swept away. So similarly, people without clear knowledge of Krishna, then they're not, they may be on the boat, but they're not going to the watch the pot, they're just swept away. They'll have so many misconceptions. So Prabhupada was saying that even the Bhagavad Gita, that may not help us very much unless we have clear knowledge as is revealed in Srimad Bhagavatam. And we practically see that, that even though even in India today, despite India being very much fallen from her position, her original position, still there are many people, many means some people, who study Bhagavad Gita, who have at least superficially some regard for Bhagavad Gita. 
Even there's one fairly famous guru whose disciples, they can recite the whole Bhagavad Gita and he can tell them, you recite this chapter backwards and they can do it. They'll recite the last verse by, by rote and then the next verse going backwards. Just like that they can do. So still there are people who have regard for Bhagavad Gita or they may have studied the Bhagavad Gita but actually they don't have Krishna Bhakti. They don't understand this point. They'll find something else in Bhagavad Gita. Just like this Professor Stahl we find in this science that comes in Science of Self-Realization. Prabhupada had correspondence with Professor Stahl who was a learned scholar and his, he was a learned scholar but his conclusion after studying Bhagavad Gita was that the message of Bhagavad Gita is uh, Sarva Kama Falatyaga that the actual message of Bhagavad Gita is that one and this is a very common misconception not only Professor Stahl that the actual teaching of Bhagavad Gita is that we should give up the results of our activities and there are many people when we're doing we're preaching going with books in India especially if we're going shop to shop especially the shopkeepers will say yes I know Bhagavad Gita Kamani Vadikaraste Mafaleshu Kadachana yes I know this is Bhagavad Gita that we, you have a right to do your work you see I'm doing my work this is Bhagavad Gita I'm sitting in my shop I'm doing my work and I'm not attached to the results so I'm following Bhagavad Gita so there are so many misconceptions of Bhagavad Gita so without this Bhagavat without Bhagavat means Bhagavat Kata and Bhagavat Bhakta the person Bhagavat then even the understanding of Bhagavad Gita can very easily become covered over Krishna told in Bhagavad Gita that I spoke this Bhagavad Gita. I spoke it. I'm Bhagavan. That's why it's Bhagavad Gita. I'm most powerful. It's called Bhagavad Gita. But that knowledge became spoiled. Not the knowledge becomes spoiled, but the understanding of it became spoiled in due course of time. Sakare nehamata yoga nashtaparantapa. That the knowledge of one's connection with Krishna became spoiled in due course of time. The knowledge itself can't be spoiled, but misinterpretation, malinterpretation, or just forgetfulness. If no one's discussing Bhagavad Gita, then there's no question even of misinterpretation or malinterpretation. So that knowledge became spoiled. Therefore, Krishna, again Krishna told to Arjuna, I'm going to speak this to you again. So he spoke, but he spoke this at the, at the beginning of Kali Yuga, in which the tendency for, how shall we say, decrepitude, or the tendency for dharma glani, for religious principles to become contaminated, that works very quickly in Kali Yuga. In Satya Yuga practically the atmosphere is so pure that religious principles are maintained throughout. Then in Trita Yuga the 
material, the influence of the material energy becomes more pronounced so that religious principles they more quickly become destroyed and then more so in Dwarpa Yuga and in Kali Yuga the, situa the situation is so intense that religious principles become compromised or covered over very very quickly we see that's described by Vrindavan Dash Thakur that after the disappearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu very soon people came and twisted Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings and claimed to be he they made themselves incarnations of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu or declared themselves incarnations of Narayana so the tendency in Kali Yuga is that very quickly anything good becomes spoiled and anything bad anything which is, has the tendency to degrade human society that becomes pronounced very quickly due to the influence of this age very quickly anything bad can spread we can see that uh, here in India since 1991 there's been this all this satellite TV and then cable TV and practically within the last 11 years the pristine Indian culture which had been coming for thousands of years has suffered more the, the, the society has become more degraded in the last 11 years since they had the modern style TV than it had done in even many thousands of years before so that uh, especially TV that's uh, I was told by someone who is supposed to know that this TV it's uh, that is under the influence of Rahu so it has a some devotee who's doing astrology anyway we can see that TV practically that could be used in a very good way that could be that could be a very powerful medium for spreading Krishna consciousness and it is also but practically we see mostly what comes out of that TV is very degrading so that I'm just giving this as an example how in the modern age things tend to degrade very quickly so Krishna spoke Bhagavad Gita and that is completely pure completely perfect and Krishna has made everything clear in Bhagavad Gita no one or no entity is equal to or greater than me therefore sarvadhaman parittaja mame kamsharanam raja surrender to me only but Bhagavad Gita practically to a large extent that has been gobbled up by mayavadis and other rascals who misinterpret give different interpretations and foolish people or those who desire to be foolish those who desire to be misled they take such interpretations so therefore Srimad Bhagavatam is necessary Bhagavad Gita gives introductory knowledge of Krishna that in itself is very high topic Sometimes we hear that we want to hear very high topics. 
Bhagavad Gita is a very high topic. Bahunam Janmanamante Jnanavang Mang Prapadite Vasudeva Sarvamiti Samahatma Sudulabaha. Everyone in this material world is not really realizing that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. After many lifetimes of studying the Vedas, one who actually comes to understand them can understand Bhagavad Gita. Krishna is the Supreme Lord. So actually from our perspective this is a very high topic. But then if we are to understand more that Krishna, he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then we have to understand in detail. As Prabhupada used to say, all, relig all religions they teach that God is great. But Prabhupada said it is not enough to know that simply that God is great, we have to know how he is great. So that is explained to some extent in Srimad Bhagavatam. Fully, that is not possible. Even Krishna himself doesn't understand how great he is. Jananta eva jananta kimba hukti chame prabho manasova pashova cha vaibhavam tabagocharaha Brahma, the biggest brain in the universe, biggest brain and he has four brains also. So he admitted, I can't understand Krishna. But not by any method can I understand Krishna. He is beyond the power of my comprehension. Nevertheless, Krishna advises us to try to understand Him. Because by hearing about Him, Maya Saktamana Pata Yogam Yunjanmara Shayaha Asangshayam Samagram Mang Yata Nyasasi Tatrinu. Krishna advised Arjuna, hear from me about me, about your relationship with me. That will free you from all doubts. So, hearing about Krishna is required and from Bhagavad Gita we get basic knowledge. Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But more detail, how he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead? What is he doing? We understand from Bhagavad Gita if we are not misguided by impersonalists that the Supreme Lord is the Supreme Absolute Truth is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and that we are his eternal parts and parcels. What does that mean? If we don't have knowledge of God, of his personality, then either we have to speculate what is his personality or deny his personality. And this has actually happened in religious processes which do not have detailed knowledge of God. For instance, in Christianity, we find that at one point they speculated that God is a very old man with a long beard because he created the world, that was a long time ago. So he must have, in the meantime, he must have got very old and must have a very long beard because he's so busy managing the world and it's such a headache that he didn't have time to shave. So he's got a long beard by now. And he's sitting on a cloud. This, that picture is there in Rome. He's sitting on a cloud with a very angry look on his face, punishing everyone and sending them to hell. If you don't believe in me, you go to hell forever. If you're not a member of the Catholic Church, if you became a Protestant, you go to hell forever. Or the Protestants will say, if you believe in the Pope, then you go to hell forever. So it's very dangerous. You see, you don't know, should I be a Catholic or a Protestant? And what should I do? Because if you're in the wrong camp, then you go to, then the all-kind, all-merciful, all-loving God sends you to burn in hell forever.
if you're born in the wrong family and there's no way to understand which is which. So they have the idea of a jealous God, an angry God who will punish you. And then later on the, the idea of God as a, an angry old man that gradually got replaced by the idea of God is love, amorphous love, no form, just love, that's all. It became more vague. So without clear knowledge of who is God, what he is doing, there are so many speculations that you believe in Jesus and you will go to heaven, you will sit on a cloud and you will grow two wings and have a harp, you will become an angel. And most of these people think, sounds boring. Maybe it will be more fun in hell. No clear knowledge. Therefore they have to speculate. Bhagavatam, especially Bhagavatam, gives clear knowledge of the personality of Godhead. Who is he? What is he doing? Who is he? He's a cowherd boy doesn't seem to be very logical that if you're God, if you're the supreme controller of everything then why should you waste your time controlling a few cows? You can control the, everything in the universe and then you control some cows. What do you want to control some cows for? This will be difficult to understand especially for the beef eaters. In England they pride themselves on being beef eaters. It's part of the old English culture. Beef eater gin. They pride themselves on being beef eaters. But in the Vedic knowledge from Srimad Bhagavatam we understand that the Supreme Lord personally protects cows. Personally. He can do anything he likes. You can do some quiz. If you could do anything you like, what would you do? And most people, they wouldn't reply, I would go herding cows. They could think of so many other things they'd like to do. But, as a matter of fact, Vyasadev, who is Amogadrik, who is of spotless vision, he has given us information that the Supreme Lord is inconceivable and one of the features of his inconceivability is that he can do anything he likes and what he likes to do more than anything else is to herd cows. So you have to accept it. You can't experimentally define that God must be like this. God should be like this. He defies our logic. He does what he likes to do. Sometimes we hear people say, you should be yourself. But actually no one can fully be themselves except the Supreme Absolute Person who is not under any restraint from any outside force. He is absolute, he is independent, he can do whatever he likes. Others are servants of Krishna, therefore they have a relative position, they have to act in relationship to him. We can only be ourselves, we have a choice to, in two ways. We can either be the servant of Krishna or the servant of Maya. Our being ourselves is limited into two broad categories. We can either serve Krishna or serve Maya. But Krishna, he can actually be himself. He can do whatever he likes. For ourselves, 
we can choose this much to serve Krishna or not to serve Krishna and if we serve Krishna then our position will be defined in various ways whatever it may be we may be a tree or some water or cowherd boy whatever our position is defined in relationship to Krishna and if we don't serve Krishna then we can have unlimited ways of trying to be ourselves which are categorized into 8,400,000 forms of trying to be myself now I am a caterpillar I'm being myself in caterpillar bhav now I am a centipede and I'm being myself I'm expressing myself with 1,000 legs I'm, I'm expressing myself self-expression so we are limited our position is defined either servant of Krishna or servant of Maya but Krishna he is independent he can be himself and he is he does whatever he likes and what does he like to do he likes to herd cows it may not fit within our tiny logical brains but then Krishna is beyond our logic he can do whatever he likes and he likes to herd cows and other things also but his identity that he has ascribed to himself in his being himself is as a cowherd boy and this is described in Srimad Bhagavatam by Vyasadeva he has defined what does it mean to be the personality of Godhead what is his personality what does he do otherwise if you think he's if you imagine him as an old man sitting on a cloud it's kind of boring boring existence but Krishna's existence is not boring Krishna's existence is full of transcendental pleasure which comes from exchanges with his devotees which is what Vyasadeva has described and Vyasadeva knows all these things he's not bewildered Narad Muni came and chastised Narad uh, Vyasadeva but then he is in this verse he's describing actually you are a Mogadric actually you're meant for this superficially you're feeling disappointed but actually you are a you are an incarnation of the personality of Godhead come to describe this so just like Krishna told Arjuna that you are not meant to be bewildered you are meant to be clear in your vision he told him get up fight so in the same way Narad Muni is telling Vyasadeva come out of this apparent ignorance do your duty do your service describe Krishna in an uncompromised in a manner that cannot be compromised because even the Srimad Bhagavatam the Mayavadis have taken they have attempted to compromise it but the leader of the Mayavadis Shankaracharya he never touched Bhagavatam out of respect for that that this Bhagavatam this is the Vedam Vastavam Atravastu this is the actual essence of the Vedas whatever is to be said in all the Vedas is said herein in Srimad Bhagavatam what is that? Krishna is true Bhagavan Swayam Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and he is Narayana, Hari, Rama, Nrsimha, Varaha, Vamana so many incarnations are described here but particularly Krishna he is Gopala, Govinda, Rama means Radhika Ramana Krishna in Vrindavan is explained here Krishna in Vrindavan, Krishna in Mathura, Krishna in Dwaraka so Vyasadeva 
explained it. And then afterwards Shukadev explained it. And that's another whole topic. How Shukadev gave the Shukamaka Adamrita Drava Sangitam. How what Vyasadeva compiled, Shukadev Goswami gave more sweetness and realization. And again, Vyasadeva, who, who explained Bhagavatam to Shukadev, he explained it to him. Then Shukadev explained to Vyasadeva, to Parikshit, and Vyasadeva was also. And then Vyasadeva. Then Surya Goswami spoke. And then Vyasadeva wrote it down. And we have here Prabhupada, who is the Vyasa of the modern age, has come to fulfill the work of Vyasadeva. Vyasadeva compiled this Srimad Bhagavatam. This Narad Muni states, Tadvagvisago Janataga Viplavaha. This Bhagavatam is meant to create a revolution in the misdirected lives of a sinful population. So, Srimad Bhagavatam, Narad Muni, told Vyasadeva, you compile this Bhagavatam and afterwards Prabhupada will come and translate it. He's practically, he's saying. Otherwise, when he says, Tadvagvisago Janata Agha, means a sinful population, Viplavaha, revolution. So what does that mean? Previously, Srimad Bhagavatam was only spoken among very pious people. But now, Srimad Bhagavatam is distributed among sinful people. So many times, you're distributing Srimad, they're distributing lots of Srimad Bhagavatam in England now. It's very nice. First canto. So you're giving the book, and the person, he's smoking a cigarette in one hand and has a hamburger in the other, and he has to put the hamburger into the one hand so that he can hold the shri. He may be holding it with the hamburger right in his hand. And you're giving him the book. And he's chewing it and smoking and saying, okay, and giving five pounds for the book. He's a sinful person. But Prabhupada is given the Srimad Bhagavatam. You take this. You take this and read this. I was just reading in a book Purnachandra Prabhu wrote, some new book. He stated that one in, in, in a bar in England, they're called pubs, for those of you who don't know. Now you learn something. Useless. In England, bars are called pubs. So one man went to a pub in England and he met someone else, a stranger, and they started talking. And they started talking about religion. And his, the other man said to him, you know, when it comes to religion, the Hare Krishnas are tops. So, a little later in his life, that man had some religious feeling. I have to be, now I have to do something religious. So he remembered what that man told him. Hare Krishnas are tops. So he went and joined the Hare Krishna temple. This is surprising. Here we have Narad Muni instructed Vyas. So that man in the pub, he wasn't Narad Muni. He was Narad Muni in one sense, the Narad Muni was speaking through him, but he was a drinking drunkard, but somehow he must have got Prabhupada's book and he was impressed. This is very, this is first class theology in Ravindra Prabhu's words, his first impression. He was studying theology in the university before he came to Krishna consciousness. And when he got this book, Isha Upanishad, he got the first book. He had studied Ishopanishad from this, uh, what's his name, that, that Prabhupada met him in New York, one Swami Nikhilananda or something, Nikhilananda I think his name. So, Ravindra Sarup Prabhu, who was at that time 
William Dwedlier or something like that. Huh? Dedweiler. So he got this, he was studying religion, he was studying Hinduism from this Swami Nikalananda. So he studied Ishopanishad and he naturally he became a complete Mayavadi. Then he got Prabhupada's Ishopanishad. And in the course they explained that actually these Hiranmaya in Apatrena, the verse which says that the absolute truth is covered and he said the commentators, the Mayavadi's commentators said this verse is very mysterious and we can't explain it. And then he got Prabhupada's Ishopanishad and he explained it and he understood actually in his own words he said this is first class theology. And then he realized that the Mayavadi explanation is all rubbish and this and anyway now he's Devendra Sarupraba. That's the result of reading his books. So these all these Vedic literatures were compiled by Vyasadeva and then it's a big story, it'll take a long time to tell and you all have to go and study the Shastras from Bhakti Chaitanya Maharaj to Kento. I won't prolong it anymore. Better you